welcome to the third installment of The Fanatic with your host, David Patrick. We have a great show today, unless you're an Astros fan, then you may want to close your ears for at least the first segment or fast forward through it because first I will be talking about those cheating Astros. Yes, those cheating Astros. And what I think will come in the future in regards to punishment, as well as grill the heck out of their clueless owner who showed no accountability or remorse for his cheating franchise and what they did. After that, I will be touching on um, NFL free agency and where I think the major free agent quarterbacks will land and what that might mean for the rest of the league. And I will finish with some GOAT talk. And by GOAT, I mean TB12, also known as Tom Brady, and his legacy and where I think he will end up next year and what that means for his legacy going forward. Let's get started. All right, let's talk about cheating, and particularly the cheating Houston Astros. As many of you may have um, seen about four days ago, their clueless owner trying to do damage control, but further damaged his team's reputation and his reputation by giving one of the worst apologetic press conferences I have ever seen in my lifetime. I mean, this was, this was terrible. His PR guy has got to be furious with all the damage control he further created by giving this press conference. I mean, some of the things he said were just utterly ridiculous. I mean, if I was anyone in that organization, I would be very, very, very upset with some of the things he had to say. First, one of the first things he said was um, basically that the um, management, particularly his manager and others in the organization were not monitored or basically sounded like that he blames them for it, for letting it happen. Yet, as the owner and GM, you think um, he would know everything that's going on. I mean, you're the owner. You should know everything going on in your franchise. You should know what your GM is doing. You should know what everything's going on, the ins and outs of your franchise. I mean, you own the team. And what, that's what people see. You're the owner, and you should know everything that's going on. Well, obviously, he didn't, quote-unquote, didn't know what was going on, which is really ridiculous in itself. I mean, come on. He knew, obviously. But the fact that... Um, he's saying that his manager and assistants and whatever weren't supervised well enough or held accountable is just ridiculous. I mean, obviously, he turned a blind eye to this if he, in fact, was um, not directly involved, but... I mean, if he's the owner, he obviously, like I said, knows the ins and outs of what's going on. And it's ridiculous to even think that he had no idea what was happening. But I will say, um, throwing your team under the bus is just ridiculous. Your manager and everything. Yes, obviously, they would have had something to do with it because they're directly, they're in direct contact with the players every day, practice, games, etc. Obviously. But um, overall, there was a lot of other stupid statements he said. Probably the worst part of that is when they asked, what would you have to say to the Yankees? And he's like, I don't really have a whole lot. Um, I didn't think this impacted the game, and we'll leave it at that. Flash forward 30 seconds later, this guy's asked um, you, you, something along the lines of, you said this didn't impact the game. What did you mean by that? And he's like, well, I, di- I said it. I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Dude, 30 seconds earlier, you literally said it did not impact the game. 
and then you turn around, not more than a minute later, you're asked, "How? what do you mean by it didn't impact the game? And you act like you're clueless and say something like, well, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Well, what are you trying to say? Because clearly, nobody else knows what you're trying to say either. I mean, what the heck? What are you trying to accomplish here? They literally dug a bigger hole than they already were in. And I get it. The commissioner's probably not going to do anything. But a lot of people are calling for more punishment, which I think they should do something more. I mean, this is cheating. This ain't steroids. This is impacting the game. And I don't know what he means by, oh, it didn't impact the game. It, it didn't? It didn't impact the game? Really? It didn't impact the game? Yes, it, it, it definitely did. Not only the game itself, but everything outside the game. I mean, Alex Cora, Red Sox, fired. Some more allegations. You're my own manager. You fired him for this. Carlos Beltran was just hired by the Mets. Gets fired when all this comes out. So obviously, it impacted the game. What do you mean it didn't impact the game? Anyone with half a brand can see it impacted the game. And that's outside of your organization. Internally, yeah, you fired your own manager. You got fined a bunch of money, which I'm sure he did not care about because he's a billionaire, millionaire, billionaire. So that's nothing off of his shoes. He can just pull a check out and write it and he, whatever. Coupled some draft picks, of course, too, but finding, some, finding a millionaire, billionaire is not really going to, that's not going to do anything. I mean, come on. What's I going to do? Oh, I'll just pull my check, checkbook out. Give me a blank check. What are you going to find me? Great. That's, that's great punishment. That's a great deterrent. We'll find you a bunch of money and take your draft picks. Well, they're already a contending team, obviously. They're still in contention, with, even with all this punishment, quote-unquote punishment, which was very weak. You lost your manager. Great. We'll just hire someone else. Cool. They still have the talent. They still have the players to contend year in and year out. This year, they will still be in contention. We'll probably win their division yet again. Because they're not going to do anything about it. The commissioner obviously does not care. A lot of these media outlets say, well, there might be some bigger punishment coming. What? What are they going to do that hasn't been done already? I mean, come on. Spring training is right around the corner. If they do not do something by the beginning of the season, then obviously they're not going to do anything at all. I mean, stripping their titles isn't going to accomplish anything. What's they going to do? Oh, they didn't win. Well, we all know they won, so stripping it away isn't going to do anything. It's like NCAA vacating win. What's the point of that? You're saying they didn't win when they did? Wait, I mean, come on. Yes, they did. They did. They did something. They, they cheated. They stole signs. I get that. But stripping their title isn't going to accomplish anything. What are you going to do? Give it to the Yankees who lost? Here you go. No, they don't want that. Are going to replay the series? With who? Everyone from that 2017? No. That's stupid. That in itself right there is just dumb. That's not a good punishment for them. Because it's not going to accomplish anything. You still won. You still won the game. We all saw you win. And no team is going to accept a sympathy World Series title. Their name's already engraved on the trophy. Just let it go. But I do think they should pursue greater action, whether it's suspending players, suspending all the major players involved, the ones that you absolutely know without a doubt were involved in it. Suspend them for the whole season. Have them play with minor league guys. Guys they have to call up, guys they have to be play and thrown into action, or their free agents that they picked up. Anyone else besides the major contributors to this scandal last year. Have them play with a minor league team, as I said, or with guys that aren't much experienced or aren't really ready. That right there is punishment. To me, a little bit greater punishment. Oh, you have to play a whole season. 162 games without your best guys. Let's see how you do. If you're still winning, 
then that's great. You have a good farm system. Or if you're still winning, maybe you're cheating. Still, you wouldn't think they would do it afterwards, but considering they did not get a good punishment for this, there's nothing to deter them from doing this again. In my eyes, at least. You could ban some of the players. You could force their owner to sell the team. But none of these things are going to happen. Like I said, at the end of the day, they're not going to pursue anything that harsh. Suspending everyone for the season, great. I think that's a good idea. Have them play with a minor league group of guys, as I mentioned a couple times already. That would be punishment to me, at least for one year. To me, that would be something that would really hurt them as far as making the playoffs, winning the World Series, because they would have guys that are not as experienced, and that, to me, would be punishment enough. Having a whole year of replacement players, basically. Or you could um, put them on probation for a couple of years. You cannot make the postseason or World Series for X amount of years. That's what they do in the NCAA. I'm not saying it's an effective punishment because teams still recruit illegally and all that stuff. And really, at a, in a professional level, putting a team on probation just seems kind of silly. But that could be a step they could take. But at the end of the day, they know that commissioner is a joke. Every player major player in the MLB has called him out for not doing anything about it. We all know the punishment isn't harsh. But what's going to happen? I don't anticipate anything happening. I said that on my last podcast as well. What's going to happen? Nothing, because the commissioner does not care. It's all about entertainment. We all know professional sports are all about entertainment. The Astros are a good product. They're a successful team. And even with scandal, it does not appear he's going to punish them that severely. But he should make an example out of them in some form or fashion. Whether it's, as I said, suspending everyone involved. Having them have to play with minor league young guys from their farm. Or via free agency. Have them play a whole full 162 without their stars and see what that accomplishes. Because at the end of the day, there really isn't going to be an adequate punishment for them. And really, to me, the punishment's already been done. Your draft picks, money, fines, whatever. That's not going to do anything. That's not a deterrent. I mean, look at, look at what the NFL did to the Patriots every time they cheated. Nothing. Really, other than suspend Tom Brady for two games. Ooh, yeah, that, that didn't accomplish anything. They still won. They still have six titles. The NFL didn't do nothing. The MLB commissioner is not going to do anything either. It's just not going to happen, folks. Unfortunately, I'd be really, 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 really shocked if something more serious than what already happened has happened. I just just don't see it. That's unfortunate, but to me, that's just how it's going to be. Nothing's going to happen. They'll probably keep doing it, knowing they can get away with it without much punishment. But, as I said, it, that's probably what's going to happen. And that's just going to open the door for them to keep doing it. Because the commissioner does not care about the integrity of the game. or the Yeah, basically, he does not care about the integrity of the game. Which, the image of baseball has already kind of suffered, like, ratings-wise. So this further not only takes off um, old-school fans, people that love the game for what it is, but it just kills the image of the MLB. And it further could make their ratings take a huge hit. I'm not sure if it will. We'll see as the season goes on. But it also could create some safety issues. I mean, ESPN mentioned um, how many times is somebody going to be up to bat and they're going to Bean them with a bean them with a pitch. I mean, you got to think every team they play is ticked off. You got to think at least one time through the order, somebody's getting dinged by a pitch. So I think that's something they need to take uh, 
be aware of and make sure that doesn't happen for the safety of the players. But, I mean, you tick off enough players, they will target your batters. And this definitely could happen. We could also see more fights and brawls because of this. Because all these players, Dodgers players, Yankees players, etc., feel they've been cheated. And in essence, they have been cheated. And it's unfortunate that the not owner, excuse me, the commissioner is not going to take accountability and punish them and hold them accountable for their actions. It's unfortunate, but that's just how it's going to be. And it sucks, but at the end of the day, he's just going to sit on his hands and not do anything. That seems to be his style as far as punishing players. But... It is what it is. I can see fans being upset. I'm upset. Everybody's upset. But at the end of the day, we just got to suck it up because nothing's going to be done. And we just got to hope that this doesn't happen in the future because we could be watching a tainted product going forward now that this has come out. And then, like I said, it's unfortunate, but we can't really do anything. I mean, fans can boycott the league and not show up the games or anything like that, but we don't have much power other than boycotting, which I'm not sure if that's really going to happen, but I guess it could be a possibility. But um, at the end of the day, as I said time and time again in this segment, nothing's going to be done. We just need to suck it up as fans, or if you want to be an extremist and boycott, that's all on you. I know I will continue to watch at least the World Series because I am more of a casual fan and I just really would just watch the postseason. But I definitely will be tuned in in the next month or so to see if anything else comes about. Because clearly people are not done talking about this and they're not going to be done talking about this for at least maybe the end of time. I don't think anybody's ever going to forget this. And I know I'm not going to forget this. And obviously Dodger, Yankees fans, etc. who were cheated are ever going to forget this. They're just not going to forget it. But at the end of the day, we got to look ahead, look forward to this upcoming season. Whoever you like, root for them. And just pour your heart into this season. See where your team takes you. And try to forget about this. I know it's going to be hard. Trust me. As a Yankees fan, yes, we probably did get cheated, and that does make me mad. But at the end of the day, I realize time goes on. We got another season to prepare for, so we got to get over it, drop it, move on, and hope for the best this upcoming season. All right, shifting gears to the NFL free agency class of quarterbacks. This coming offseason, to me, this is one of the best free agent quarterback classes I have seen in a long time, um, especially if some of these guys don't end up getting re-signed, which it sounds like most of them will not be re-signed, um, especially Winston Rivers, who has already parted ways with the Chargers, and um, Bridgewater doesn't sound like he'll be back with the Saints either. And Breeze is debating whether or not he's going to retire. So a lot of questions this offseason. Um, but it's very exciting, um, especially if you're a fan of the NFL, seeing all these big names come on the market. Um, so NFL Network put out a um, graphic about the notable quarterbacks to become free agents set to become free agents, um, assuming they aren't re-signed. We got Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill, and Jameis Winston. So I'm going to briefly touch on each one of these guys, um, except for Tom Brady. Um, I'll talk about him later, individually. But um, Tom, Drew Brees is, um, first off, is an interesting case. Um, he seems to be mulling over retirement, which I don't blame him. I mean, he's proven, I mean, everything he can prove and more. I mean, here's a guy who had a severe 
arm shoulder injury in San Diego when he was on the Chargers, and many people were terrified that um, he would never recover from it and not be anywhere near as good as people thought he would be. Well, he proved everyone wrong to New Orleans and became one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play a game of football and has broken just about every passing record there is. So, clearly, he proved everyone wrong and he continues to do that season in and season out. He's not too short. He's not too slow. He is just right. But it is interesting to um, see what he might do. And really, I think, honestly, retirement is a definitely an option. With Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, both guys that they could re-sign and, and or make their um, quarterback next year. Which, to me, Bridgewater knows the system. But I do get they might be afraid he's going to want a lot of money, which I don't blame him. Because in the small sample size last year of about six games, he proved to everyone that he could light it up. And Breeze knows this. There's a young guy, two young guys behind him. And um, he knows that. So he could possibly retire. But as far as... um, Leaving, there is no way that he is going to play for anybody but the Saints. I just can't see that. Because the loyalty is given to New Orleans, he just doesn't seem like a guy that's going to do that to him. That would just be ridiculous. So my prediction is he will um, play one more year and then go out after next season if he doesn't retire. Speaking of Teddy Bridgewater, though, um, the most logical thing to me is if Breeze does retire, re-sign him, pay him what he wants, make him your franchise quarterback or a bridge quarterback for Taysom Hill or whoever um, you bring in in the future. But I don't think he's going to stay. I don't think they're going to pay him. doesn't sound like they're going to pay him which is unfortunate because he is a very good quarterback in their system and also a guy who's overcome a lot injury-wise. People, a lot of people thought he wouldn't be the same ever again with his injuries with the Minnesota. However, I do think um, he will go somewhere else. Where, we don't know. Most likely scenarios would really just be a quarterback needy team. I mean, Tampa Bay is in the market for one. You got to think the Chargers would be a good fit for him because they just let go of Rivers. So L.A., bright lights, could be appealing to him. And he has some decent um, weapons with Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and uh, Melvin Gordon. So he has a pretty nice offensive system in place if he were to leave New Orleans, which all signs point to him getting a big payday somewhere. And LA seems to me to me a pretty good fit um, for him. So I hope he does, um, wherever he does end up, whether it's LA or Tampa or staying in New Orleans, I really hope that um, he has a good successful career um, post, post-injury which it looks like he has some promise um, going forward. So hopefully he gets in a situation that's beneficial to him and he kills it. Marcus Mariota, um, to me, if I were an NFL team, he's nothing more to me than a backup quarterback at this point. Really, you could argue he was a bust. I mean, yes, he had a lot of injuries. So, um, but it happens. Um, He had a lot of injuries, and this past year he just looked terrible. I don't know what happened. If he still had some nagging injuries or what was going on, but he looked terrible. But he did um, get them to the playoffs a couple times. And early on, he looked great. 
throwing and especially running the ball. But um, so maybe a team might see that as valuable. But to me, uh, I think he's just a guy you bring in for a backup job unless you um, have a guy in place that you is starting and you want to push him to um, play better. But uh, I don't know. I just don't really see a huge market for him. But maybe a um, veteran team like the Chiefs or someone with an established starter might bring him in and have him be their backup, which I think really, to me, unless you think you can revive his career, I don't think he's really going to give you a whole lot. Unless, like I said, someone views him as someone that could, they feel their coordinator or coach could turn his career around. But I just don't see that happening. So, like I said, a veteran team like the Chiefs, who has a young quarterback, that could use maybe more, a little bit more guidance or mentorship, but a guy that's established. So if a guy like Mahomes goes down, they'd have somebody or, or Philadelphia maybe um, as a backup due to Wentz's um, extensive injury history. That could also be a very legitimate possibility. Dak Prescott is an interesting case here. Um, I mean, I can't imagine Dallas not paying him, although they are very hesitant, and Jerry Jones has been dragging his feet with paying him, so I don't blame him. To me, Dak's overrated. I don't, he's not top 10, and I don't think he's a guy who's going to win you a playoff game. I just don't think he's a guy that can take you to the Super Bowl as well. I mean, yes, you could blame a clapper, Jason Garrett, all you want to, as the reason why he was not successful, but which there's a lot of truth to that. He was a terrible coach. He didn't really have much in offensive coordinators that were actually experienced and knew what they were doing. So maybe Mike McCarthy could come in and turn him around, which I do think he can. I mean, look what he did with Rodgers. So I would say, though, at the end of the day, pay him and see what McCarthy can do with him. I'm not a Dak fan. I think he's overrated. And I don't blame Jerry Jones for being hesitant to pay him. I know I would be hesitant to pay him. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, do you want to risk drafting a guy or bringing in a guy like Mariota or someone, maybe Tannehill or someone who could be a bit cheaper? You want to throw away a young guy and give up on him because you don't want to pay him? To me, that's probably not the best move to make, especially since you have a offensive-minded head coach like McCarthy, who is very good at um, offense and can um, turn a team around. I mean, he already has the weapons. He has Elliott. He has Cooper, who is a free agent. So definitely, um, Cooper, if they can retain him, then yes, definitely keep Dak. Because clearly Cooper's been his best target. Um, his most comfortable target, go-to guy. So keeping the team intact would also go a long way towards them um, signing him. If not, there's rumors that they might franchise tag him. and I'm not sure about that. I don't know. That's something he would really like because clearly he wants a long-term deal. However... I'm not for sure, but I predict he'll end up back in Dallas. Um, I think Jerry Jones is just dragging his feet, trying to pay him the least amount possible, unless he sees a better option, like you got like maybe Mariota or someone he thinks can come in cheaper and win with the talent he already has. As far as um, Philip Rivers, he is a very interesting case. Um, there's a lot of rumors going around with him. Actually, um, even Melvin Gordon today came out and said Indianapolis would be a great fit for him. They already run the same system basically that the Chargers did and that he feels that um, he can come in and be successful day one. Which, maybe, 
Um, I'm not sure Indy is a great place for him. Weapon-wise, I mean, Ebron drops the ball all the time. Mack, who I feel is an overrated running back. And you have Hilton. That Who else is there? Unless they draft some receivers, who are they going to really throw out there? They don't really have any number one and number two guys besides Hilton. And half the time, he's hurt. I mean, you saw him out there limping this past season. Bailey being able to run out there. For a guy like Rivers, you need to go to a contending team. And right now, I don't think Indianapolis, barring a miracle and drafting well and spending their enormous cap room they have on guys to fill in, there's really no point in Rivers going there to a team that's not in contention. And really, from what I saw last year, he's about hit the cliff and on the downside, downfall anyways. To me, I just don't think he really needs to be playing. I mean, he can just retire, go out like Eli, just give it up. I mean, before you look really, really bad. And I get it, they have a great offensive line, which is what he needs. I mean, this guy is unathletic and can't run or anything like that. So he needs a perfect pocket to even be successful since he can't run. And really, since it looks like his arm's kind of declining too. I mean, it just, I don't know. It's interesting. But to me, for a guy like him, go to Tampa. I mean, you got Bruce the quarterback whisperer, and you have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So you have two good weapons who both put up a thousand plus last year. In addition, you have decent guys on the defensive side of the ball as well. Their line is okay, but they could solidify that via the draft and free agents. But I think I would want to work with Arians if I was him. I would want to work with that guy because he is a great offensive mind. I think he could turn that team around, but once again, they're not really contenders to me. So ideally, if you're an old guy at the twilight of your career, on the decline, you want a perfect situation. Which the 49ers are a perfect situation. They are a game manager, veteran quarterback's dream. Great defense, great run game. Everything in place for you to be successful. But I don't think they're going to let go of Garoppolo. Even though they probably should. That's just probably not going to happen. But at the end of the day, I think Rivers would probably lean more towards the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rather than the Colts. But, um, like I said, it just depend- depends on what he wants and what these teams can offer him as far as weapons and talent. As far as um, Ryan Tannehill, on the other hand, um, I always warn teams that they should not sign a guy based off one great season. Especially a guy who came... He's, he's battled a lot of injuries. We can't deny that. Miami, he was hurt all the time. And just... He was never in a good situation. Talent-wise, they just really never gave him a whole lot to work with. Tennessee, though, as I mentioned, a game manager's dream. You have a great running back in Derrick Henry. You have... Really, a great young rookie in Brown. So you have a good situation offensively, like I said, with Derrick Henry and Brown, who looks like he's a future superstar wide receiver, and you have an elite defense. Great situation for him. And I do believe he'll sign a two- or three-year deal, but I do I do warn teams that signing some guy based off one good year is just not something you should do. I mean, Matt Castle with New England won 10 games. He gets signed by the Chiefs. Ends up being terrible. Scott Mitchell, Detroit Lions, left lefty. Great year, gets paid, sucks. But then again, Detroit ruins everybody's careers. So, not a good situation for him. But, at the end of the day, um, I think Brian Tannehill will, will, in fact, resign. Although I do um, warn the Titans to um, 
do that based on his good half last half of the season. But I get it, there's not too many options for them out there. And they, I certainly don't think they'd want to start over by drafting somebody. So, um, re-sign him, give him a couple-year deal, give him a third-year option maybe. And if he doesn't do well, opt out or move on from him if you absolutely have to. Winston, we know, is probably not going to be back in Tampa. I mean, 30-30 club, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. He did throw for... A boatload of yards but um, yeah he looked bad maybe this surgery on his eyes will help but I don't think Tampa's gonna pay what he wants and they shouldn't pay what he wants because really he's not that good he yeah yes he gets a lot of yards but this guy is a turnover machine 30 picks fumbles about every game I mean yeah this guy is not going to be somebody that's going to win you a championship which is what all teams strive for and uh, like I said unless the surgery you know turns him into like freaking Joe Montana or something I just don't think he's going to end up in Tampa and really unless a team is super super de- desperate I would not pay this guy much or make him a starting quarterback I just wouldn't do it, but um, maybe he would go to somewhere like um, Oakland, maybe, if John Gruden believed that he could um, work with him and fix him, as you know, John Gruden's a QB guy, so maybe he could at least bring him in and maybe push Derek Carr to figure it out, or we're moving on from you. So that could be possibly an intriguing situation if somebody wants to take the time to work with him. But I mean, he's been in the league for like five years now or more. So if you you think what you see now is what you're going to get, there's no fixing him um, at this point. Although Rich Gannon was a late bloomer in his career, but just because John Gruden helped him out. I mean, this guy turned into an MVP in his 30s because of John Gruden. So maybe Jameis Winston could um, sign like a small little deal with the Raiders, see if John Gruden can maybe turn him around. But if he can't turn him around, then I don't think there's hope for for Winston in the NFL as a starter anyway. Backup maybe, but starter now. So I think Oakland's a good fit for him, but it's up in the air really where where he'll sign. Could be anywhere, but... I think Oakland would be an intriguing spot for him to end up, especially with John Gruden um, being the coach there. All right, folks, that sound means it's time for Goat Talk. And today we'll be talking the goat himself, TB12, also known as Tom Brady. There is no one out there that can deny this man's greatness. He has six rings and is an Iron Man in his mid-40s, and he still wants to play, presumably, until he's 50. I mean, this guy does not stop. He does not seem to be slowing down as far as his desire to play. Although I do believe his talent is declining, he still wants to play. And that kind of brings up the situation of where does he want to go? Does he want to finish where he started, where he was undiscovered? Nobody wanted him. Sixth round pick out of Michigan who turned into this elite quarterback leading one of the greatest winners of all time. I mean... You gotta think, why would you throw that all away? I mean, why would you want to end your career with anywhere else? That's what's intriguing about this past offseason, though, or this offseason currently, I should say. Um, he seems so cryptic. He doesn't really want to know... Um, he, excuse me, he doesn't want anyone to know 
what he's doing, basically, and where he wants to go. A lot of people said, oh, Tennessee, maybe, because there's, there's been cryptic um, posts on Instagram about saying he might be leaving, or at least that's what people interpret. He didn't specifically say he was going to leave, but um, a lot of people believe that he is he might leave, but to me, there's no way um, he would go, he should go anywhere else. I mean, come on. Like I said, he started He started there. They made him who he was. Him and Belichick go together like two peas in a pod. Two guys that couldn't win without each other. To me. Uh, although some people would argue he can win with anybody. I mean, it's possible. And then the argument always has been, oh, he's a he's a um, system quarterback. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to be honest, every quarterback is a system quarterback. You design the system for that guy, and he is successful in that. Duh, obviously. But, I mean, um, yeah, just to me, um, leaving would just kind of tarnish his legacy, which I'm also going to talk about later. But, um even Joe Monsanto came out and said, hey, um, look, dude, I left the 49ers for the Chiefs, and that was one of my biggest regrets. But um, at that time, though, he had Steve Young in the rearview mirror, and of course, you know, the 49ers by this point were trying to utilize him and make him the guy. So I'm not saying they forced Montana out, but... They definitely knew if he were to leave, they had a young guy waiting in the wings, which in this case, the Patriots do not have that luxury. They do have Jarrett Stidham, and who's really young, but um, there really is no threat to Brady at this point. I mean, Garoppolo was a threat. He forced um, New England to trade him. So uh, right now, though, uh, he has the leverage to get what he wants as far as money, but really, I think what he's looking for is um, weapons. I mean, no Gronk, they look terrible. Other than Edelman, their offenses look really terrible. I mean, they have like no weapons hardly now. No, I mean, Edelman, Michelle, who we had really kind of an off year, and then Edsonu and Dorsett, and but, I mean, Thailand's a huge glaring need for them, and they definitely need to address that in the draft or via free agency. They made a guy like Greg Olson, although he's pretty old and injury-prone at this point. That might not be the best route. But really, I think that's what Brady's waiting for is to give me my weapons. Because, I mean, you get teams are throwing money at him. New England's... Paying, wanting, giving him a huge, huge, huge money, I should say, and um, but to me, he's clearly kind of messing around with them, saying, "Hey, I don't need money. I need weapons." So if New England were to bolster their receiving core and tight end um, core, I think that would go a long way towards him wanting to resign. Because you got to think, Kraft is not going to want to let him go. He's the face of the franchise, and um, the guy, he's been the guy for 20 years, going on 20 years just about. So, I mean, clearly he um, doesn't want us to know what he's doing, but um, to me, he would be foolish to leave New England unless Belichick, Belichick absolutely did not want him anymore. Which it's obvious he doesn't because he views him as old and um, not able to really perform at a high level anymore. But if they get weapons for him, there's no way he's going to leave. He'll resign next year for sure. But you also got to wonder how much he has in the tank because really um, he doesn't not look as good as he used to. Like I said, it could be the lack of weapons or his arms just getting weaker. But, I mean, eventually he's going to hit the wall. Manning, Peyton Manning hit the wall. Look at that Super Bowl against the Panthers. Guy barely throws for 100 and throws like a pick. Like, he was so 
terrible. I mean, that's one of the worst QB performances you'll ever see in the Super Bowl. Yet he won because of his defense. But, yeah, I mean, Brady's got the defense right now. He just needs a tight end. He needs a couple other pieces to put their offense, um, at least be respectable um, going forward. But, I think obviously, that's something New England realizes. He wants weapons. I think that's obviously the vibe I'm getting from him is that he wants weapons. But he has a chance to achieve a milestone that most guys, particularly in the NFL, do not achieve. Playing not only 20 years at the quarterback position, but playing it all for one team. And if he can stay on there for one team, he has the six rings already. He don't need to prove anything more championship-wise. But this guy has a chance to play 20 years, as I said, with one team in the NFL at the quarterback position. Peyton Manning couldn't even finish his career with one team. I mean, a lot of greats didn't. Montana didn't. Um, of course, um, Montana didn't. Manning didn't. I mean, very few play their whole career for one team. and Very few play 20 plus years in the league. So, I think that would just further cement his legacy if he just played with them for the whole, his whole career. And I think that's something he wants to do, whether or not he wants to admit it or not. Um, like I said, it just boils down to weapons. Can they give him what he needs, what he wants? And if they can, then there's no reason why he can't um, come back or won't want to come back. But speaking as a whole, I did kind of touch on his legacy, but uh, obviously he he's the greatest in my eyes. I mean, you could reference, oh, he had elite defenses. Oh, he cheated. Oh, his coach was his coach was Dalcheck. Whatever. I mean, he was in an ideal situation at the ideal time, and the stats back up everything you need to know. Look his stats up. That's greatness. He has the six rings. He's been in the AFC Championship game basically his whole career. I mean, what does this guy not do? He wins. He has every postseason passing record, basically. And um, you got to think, if he keeps playing, he's going to have every passing record in general um, by the time he's done. It's just, that's just how it is. And really, um, he's one of the few guys that have won with lesser talent, offensively anyway. I mean, you think about his early teams, he had... What, Troy Brown, David Patton, Terry Glenn, Antoine Smith, Kevin Falk, of course, but you gotta think about the Rams team he played and the talent he had against them. Just, their defense obviously won in the game, more or less, but um, that's not a lot of talent. Antoine Smith was nothing, really. Brown, Patton, Glenn, not exactly what I would call elite by any means compared to a guy like Peyton Manning who had basically three Hall of Famers, James, Wayne, Harrison. You gotta think Wayne will end up there eventually, but to have James and Harrison and Wayne and not win a Super Bowl with that core, that's just, that's sad. I mean, that's really, it's really bad that even a great player like Manning who had all these Hall of Famers couldn't win that, couldn't win. And here's Brady who very rarely has played with anyone that's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, at least on offense. Antoine Smith's not going to be there. Kevin Falk's not going to be there. Corey Dillon was a great back, but he probably won't get in either. Michelle's definitely not going to be in there. Burkhead, I could go on and on, list all the back, backs that he has had that aren't going to make it. Tight ends, Ben Watson, Daniel Graham, Farrier. Yeah, Bray, Kyle Brady, I mean, this guy, until Gronk, didn't really have a Hall of Fame target. And the time he had Moss, they didn't even win. So he has one with lesser talent. And that's one of the great things, too, about him. His core changed year after year. New guys came in at receiver, at running back. And they just plugged right in, plugged him in, and he won with it. He turned guys that 
no one else wanted and made him Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, look at Edelman. I mean, who the heck thought that guy was going to be good? Nobody. Short little white guy running around catching passes. I mean, that's impressive. The career he's um, chiseled out for himself. I think that's fantastic. You know, he had Welker as well, but really, his most recent Super Bowl wins are when he's had more talent than he had his first three or four, if you will, um, which didn't have near as much offensive talent. And yes, like you said, you could argue, oh, he's had Belichick, oh, he's had a great defense. Well, yes, he has, but there's still no denying his greatness. His stats speak for themselves. The stats he's had with the talent he's had, to me, is very impressive. And his legacy's already been submitted, but playing his t- all the rest of his career with New England would just put the final stamp on his um, Hall of Fame career. And to me, dude, if we were giving Brady some advice, just go back, man. Finish your career with the team that discovered you and leave it at that, man. Put the icing on the keg, maybe get your seventh ring, seventh ring, and then just just quit, man. He has nothing to prove. You have nothing. He has nothing to prove right now, but just put the final stamp on your resume. Stay with New England. Retire a Patriot. That's all. That's that's my advice, man. That's what he should be doing. Just retire a Patriot. Don't live or live with regret, like Joe Montana would say. Just finish where you started. That's my advice. And that concludes another great episode of The Fanatic with your host, David Patrick. I hope everyone who's not an Astros fan enjoyed today's show. Once again, I appreciate everyone who tunes in and takes the time to listen. I do my best to keep it real with each and every one of you. As usual, I'll gladly take any questions, concerns, or recommendations for future shows. I should have in the next few days um, some social media accounts promoting um, my podcast where you can reach me for any questions, concerns, etc. I will um, have that information in next week's show at the latest once again i appreciate you listening y'all are amazing and i appreciate every single one of you that tunes in and listens keep it classy until next time this is your host david patrick signing off